When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Neither of us spoke while we followed the gorgeous brunette up one flight of stairs and onto the next. She didn't say a word either, as she led us to an uncertain location, though I had to believe she was indeed taking us to meet Orchid Senior. That, or this was just one more mind game. Of course, that wouldn't exactly be a surprise at this point, but I hoped that all the bullshit was behind us now. Not only was I ready to find somewhere to hibernate for the next month, but I still held on to the idea that we could bring Brandon back home. Of course, neither of these things would be possible unless we got answers to all of this insanity. Regardless of how Grant seemed almost entranced by this woman again, I was sure it was she he'd been referencing when he spoke of who had impersonated him to the Orchid family. If that was the case, it stands to reason that she was in the league with the forces behind that enormous building that apparently still possessed a part of us in one form or another. With all that in mind, I had no doubt this woman could not be trusted, no matter what history she shared with my friend. When we reached what I presumed to be the top floor, we followed our guide as she walked to the end of another long hallway, one that ended with a very elegant set of double doors though they somewhat resembled the one that opened to reveal that massive room that Grant, Brandon, and I were shot in, they were a good deal simpler in design. When the woman in red pushed them open, I almost audibly gasped upon seeing the man sitting behind the large mahogany desk at the back of the room. He looked almost like the spitting image of his son, if not somehow more youthful in appearance. The expression he wore was that same arrogant and slightly disgusted one that the heir to his throne would look upon us with until he cut his gaze to the brunette who led us to the door. When his eyes met hers, his lips formed a warm smile, not unlike a schoolboy staring at his crush. I watched on while she glided around the wide desk to stand by his side, laying her hand on his shoulder. When Grant and I entered, the two men at each side of the room glittered at us one of which was tapping on the stock of his quite expensive-looking firearm as if to let us know it was locked and loaded. The other just scowled with an expression that made me feel like he was about to growl or bark or something. Both of the men appeared as though they may be as sharp as a basketball, but judging by their massive proportions, they were not hired for their intellect. Of course, it's not like this was the first time I had a trigger-happy goon staring me down, but I was pretty sure I could handle neither of these two in a fight. So, Orchid Senior said, staring down his nose at us. I see you've met the lovely Madame Lucifer. Hate to break it to you, Gov. She's not who you think she is, Grant said. She just grinned back at him, knowing full well she had the old man under her spell. You certainly have gifts, my boy, but you should not presume yourself to be her equal. That's blasphemy, you know. Fair enough, Grant replied. Believe whatever floats your boat. I couldn't give a witch's tit about whatever arrangement you two have going on. I just wanted to know about the building. And that's where you reveal your hand, my boy, Orchid said with a condescending chuckle. <laughs> the building is a gateway to hell. Surely the true Lucifer would be aware of that much. Is that right? Grant asked. Now that the silliness has been cleared up, Orchid began again, seemingly completely sure of the truth of things. It's time for you to answer my questions. The first, which being quite simple, what did you do with my son? Your son, Grant replied. The one who fed us to that bloody place and almost left to dead? That one? Just answer the question, boy. Orchid sneered with pure hatred in his eyes. Your kid's in hell, Gov. Anyone with a handy-dandy gateway should have no problems tracking him down. Just follow the screams that sunk a little girl stubbed her bloody toe. The old man screamed out, getting to his feet while slamming his fist down on his desk. 
I could see the veins throbbing at his temples, and I couldn't help but think a convenient aneurysm could make things so much easier for us. After a few moments of Orchid breathing heavily through his gritted teeth, the woman in the red dress laid her hand on his shoulder once more, convincing him to calm down. He studied his hands for a few seconds, flexing them open and shut as though to make sure they still worked properly after his tantrum before he sat back down in his comfy-looking high-backed chair. So you did kill him then, he said, releasing the tension of his brow. So be it. He was always a disappointment to me. Fortunately, I do not need an heir just yet, not with the devil herself having perceived me so well. He looked as though he had almost composed himself when the woman to his right let out an almost insane cackle that caused every eye in the room to turn in her direction. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, she said, still gasping for breath in between her maddening, wailing laughs, buckling over and clutching at her side. It's just, it's just too good. I can't. She lost it again, pounding her own fist against the desk while tears streamed from her enlarged and maniacal eyes. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm good. Whew, I'm good now, she said, straightening her back out while rubbing her reddening eyes. What in the world? Orchid said, staring up at her in shock with his jaw hanging open. I'm sorry, honey. You have no idea how long I've waited for this day. I just got a little bit excited is all. What are you talking about, my dear? The old man asked, still looking thoroughly perplexed. Grant glanced over to me with an almost apprehensive look on his face. I tilted my head back toward the door as if to suggest we get the hell out of here, but he shook his head subtly. Let me tell you a story, my dearest Jeremiah, the woman said, finally having calmed from her fit of laughter. I can't honestly say if I recall her story verbatim, but what she shared only moments before my world fell apart was not entirely what I expected. Yes, I knew Grant was ashamed of whatever went down between the two of them, but I don't think I fully understood what he was going through at the time. Nobody said a word while she spoke, no interruptions, only silent reactions but be it shock or respect that allowed her to keep the spotlight until her tale reached its end is not for me to say. This is what she revealed to us. Hell has been around for longer than most humans realize. Long before Adam and Eve were even a thought, the demons who inhabited the underworld were still searching for their purpose in the world. When more and more feet began to walk the earth, unsure of where they belonged, they gave into their baser instincts, inflicting harm on others, stealing from them, hurting them, thrusting themselves upon one another. They had no idea of the damnation that awaited them, and honestly, the demons did not know to expect their arrival either. Though they were not exactly given an instruction manual when the mutilated and grotesque souls began to fall from your realm to theirs, they somehow knew what had to be done. As the years passed, they learned to torture those who fell through the gateway, tearing into them with crude tools they threw together for the task, or even their clawed fingers and talons. It was something of inherent skill that they were never before aware they even possessed. It wasn't hard for them to inflict those awful acts upon those horrendous things, as a soul that is sent to hell is thoroughly disgusting to look upon. Oh, yes. When you find yourself in hell, Mr. Orchid, you will not have such gentle features and smooth skin, no. Your acts in life define the appearance of your soul, and I would imagine yours is quite revolting by now. Some demons were specialists, having honed their skills to more of an art form than just a job. One of these more talented lords of the underworld was named Cutter, due to her admirable skill with anything bladed. These gifts led Cotter to be amongst the most highly regarded demons in the realm, earning the respect of so many of her peers. Think of hell as an infinite cityscape, with tall skyscrapers lining the world as far as the eye could see. As in cities of this world, there are upper-class, lower-class sections, celebrities, and wealthy citizens who live and work in the lap of luxury, while others... Well, you get the idea. Cutter earned her very own building in the heart of the metropolis, where she would perform her work as well as living the life so many could only dream of. 
dreams forged in blood. After so many decades of reveling in the screams and tears of those wretched and grotesque souls, she would carve her blades into... One was delivered to her door that caused her to begin to question her calling for the very first time. It was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen, which, in a land devoid of anything one could consider to be of beauty, that was no small thing. Being the professional she was, she did not allow her momentary infatuation to distract her from her duties, cutting and carving into the flesh of this gorgeous thing just as she had done to every disgusting wretch that was unfortunate enough to lay upon one of her tables. It didn't take long for her to realize that this was more unlike the others than she had thought, as even the most grievous wounds her jagged blades inflicted did not even cause it to whimper. No matter what she did, this glorious thing would not break, not even a little. For years, she tormented this beautiful thing, tearing away pieces at a time, watching them regrow and slicing them apart once more, still not so much as succeeding in causing it to politely ask her to stop. And then one day, he began to talk to her. Not to make a plea, but simply a conversation. It spoke to her as a friend, not someone who had shredded it to pieces for so long. As time progressed, she began to return the sentiment, laying her blade down to converse with the thing she was tasked to torment. As the years blend together, she found herself looking forward to her appointments with this creature, no longer due to the fact that she enjoyed her work, but because she could spend time with her first and only friend. It wasn't until the day she asked one simple question that had been on her mind for some time that she swore she would never take her blade to this thing again. What is your sin? she asked. Mine is the greatest sin of all, it replied, wearing a far more saddened expression than she'd ever witnessed over her centuries of torturing the sinful. I betrayed my father. That simple answer inspired her to lay down her tools for good, never to turn them on to another poor soul again. This unfortunately brought her content existence to an end, as the greatest talent was now a thing of the past. In choosing this single being over everything she had ever cared about, she began to lose all that she treasured, with the exception of what had become of her obsession. When her friend rose to power, becoming the king of all the land around her, she was unable to follow, but he never forgot about her. One day, many years after he claimed the throne, he found her once more, but she was far from the intimidating specimen of her younger years. Although the years had not been kind to her, he spent months nursing her back to health before taking her with him on a most interesting appointment. They scaled mountains she'd only dreamt of climbing before he led her through caverns she'd never before seen and onto a pathway that she'd only ever heard spoken of in legend. After days on this quest, she finally witnessed a light brighter than anything she could have ever imagined, as the path had led them to something she could have never conjured, even in her wildest dreams. When she looked upon the glorious landscape that shimmered behind the rippling portal, she wanted nothing more than to leap through to bask in its beauty. This is where we must part, he said, bringing her a pain she'd never felt breaching through her entire being. He promised he would see her again someday, but there was much work that had to be done before he could free himself from his prison. Learn all you can about them, he asked her, as she stepped through the gateway to another place. As she gazed back through the opening, she could see the sadness in his eyes and knew it mirrored her own. When the opening began to shrink, to seal the two away from one another, he made one last parting request. Go forth and remember me, Lilith. It wasn't until she reached the bubbling stream that she became aware of how her appearance had changed. Whether it was the effect of this strange world or one last gift from the one she left behind, she did not know, but neither did she question it. She could not believe her eyes as... Her reflection revealed not a demonic beast born of hell, but a beautiful, raven-haired enchantress. Humanity was still quite young, but she could not find her place amongst them. For decades, she walked the land, never aging like those she was now surrounded by. 
As the centuries passed, she grew lonesome, distant. Not only was she unable to hold on to any relationship she formed, but she still longed for the company of the one she'd left behind. She got bitter. She got angry. She regressed to the only constant she'd ever known. The only thing she was good at. As her loneliness consumed her and her sins against the people who felt like a little more than ants to her began to mount up, she became more and more aware of a voice calling out to her, allowing her heart to soar at the possibility that the friend who released her from hell may have finally come back to her. She followed the haunting voice until it brought her to the doors of a larger building than she had ever laid eyes on. Inside the walls of that place, she found not who she longed for, but a new and glorious purpose. In the open halls she found behind those doors, she found a book lying upon a simple table in the center of the room. The moment she touched it, she knew what it wanted of her, to bring its souls to feed upon. Though she had not freely admitted it, she secretly longed to be accepted back into the home she'd been set free from so long ago, but with her new purpose, perhaps she could create her very own hell, one in which she would be the queen. As time passed, she entered more and more names in her precious book, but when she came across a human who shared her lust for blood and power, she finally found a truly kindred spirit. The Orchid family came to know her as the Queen of Hell herself, though they had no reason to suspect otherwise with the power she wielded and the riches she rewarded them with. Even with her new mission, as well as her mutually beneficial associates, she still felt insufferably lonesome. Though she'd finally found her place in the world she was forced into, she was still without a true companion of her own. It was 1942 when her solitude finally came to an end, or so she thought when she saw him again. Though he looked far different to her unchanged eyes, she knew it was him the second their eyes met. The resentment she'd grown for him practically melted away in that briefest of moments. For many years, he stayed by her side, though that time together revealed him not to be the same as he once was. While she had found her way back to the talents that defined her, her heart had grown softer, more tender, perhaps. Though neither of them was the same as they once were, they attempted to forge a life together on this plane. She walked away from her endeavors with the orchids in the mysterious building to share a life with the only thing she had ever truly loved. Unfortunately, their vastly altered outlook of the world and its people took its toll on their happiness, and she regressed once more to her only gifts. She tried to hide her passion from him, but he always had a knack for finding the truth of things. He scorned her for clinging on to the old traditions, claiming that he'd found a better way. He was no longer angry with his father for casting him into the pits of the underworld, nor did he seek to punish his creations. She attempted to convince him that his initial beliefs about the horrid nature of these creatures were correct, but he would not hear it. We have to help them he said, which only fueled her frustration with him, and when she would not back down, he gave her an ultimatum. Should she not cease her attempts to punish and torment those who walked the world beside her, he would be forced to stop her. She could barely believe her ears. Why would he have sent her to this earth if not to inflict the only talent she possessed upon its inhabitants? This being was the only thing she'd ever truly cared for, but she would not allow him to leave her a shell of her former self. Not again. Regardless of her feelings for him, this was who she was. What she lived for. Perhaps she was foolish to assume she would survive this wrath, even with how powerful she'd grown. They'd been discussing this while he drove her back to the apartment they shared in the city. When they pulled into the parking garage, she let herself out of the prized vehicle he treasured as soon as the wheels came to a halt. She stormed off, refusing to look back at him when he called out her name one last time. Before she reached the elevator, she turned back to see him, still perched behind the steering wheel, gazing at her with wide and glassy eyes. 
A stabbing pain erupted in her heart as soon as she made the semi-conscious decision to outstretch her hand, causing the vehicle and its occupant to be consumed in flames. She wasn't surprised when he walked unscathed from the wreckage, nor when she raised his own arm to hers. His clothes were still aflame, but she could still see the tears spilling down his face as he gave her one last chance to change her ways. Through her breaking heart and anguished thoughts, she screamed at him, promising only to bring more suffering to those he now sought to save, before the brief and blinding agony shot through her entire being. As she fell into the darkness, she was certain her journey had come to an end, but she would be sorely mistaken about that. When her eyes reopened, she found herself in familiar surroundings. The first thing she saw was the softly pulsing, glistening black walls. She didn't even see the beautiful woman with the vibrant scarlet hair until she lifted herself from the plush mattress she'd been lying upon. The woman never introduced herself by name, only that she was a construct of the intelligence behind the house. Lilith and the woman with the shining red hair spoke for some time, with the former swearing she would not turn her back on the building again. With the aid of her new friend, she could consume a power unlike she had ever known as she fully gave herself to the energies within those blackened walls. This, as well as her relationship with the Orchid family, would allow Lilith to plan the revenge she longed for against the creature she'd ever truly loved. The one who had betrayed her. She knew he adored a mystery and would be unlikely to resist the opportunity to investigate. Of course, I couldn't resist having a little fun along the way. Could I, Lucifer? She just stared at Grants, while Orchid and I shared a similar slack-jawed expression. So, wait! He is... Orchid stammered, suddenly realizing the truth behind the one he had thought to be the devil on his right shoulder. That's right, she said, still not breaking her gaze from her former lover. The old man got to his feet, signaling for his guards to open fire on the woman beside him, as soon as they raised their weapons, she flicked the wrist of both of her hands, inspiring the gunmen to train their barrels on each other. No! Wait! The two called out before they opened fire. Grant and I both dropped to the floor, covering our heads while the men drilled bullets into one of each other, not ceasing fire until the ammunition was spent. They slowly dropped to the carpet with a series of moist slapping sounds, as well as cracks of bones which had shattered or split apart, grinding against one another on their descent to the floor. Orchid ran for the door to the left of where he'd been sitting before another wrist flick from the woman in red spun him to face her. What are you doing? He cried out as she pulled him back to her as though she'd cast an invisible fishing line. It's been a blast, honey, but I think it's time we see other people. She traced her fingers across the side of his pale and trembling face, and as the advanced years she had granted him began to melt away, revealing the true age of one who had looked so youthful only moments before, he fell back into his chair with his heavily wrinkled and milky white eyes attempting to stare back at her. She just stared down at the pitiful specimen before clenching her fist, causing the skull lined with thin and withered flesh to practically flatten as though it was between her fingers when she tightly balled them shut. The blood sprayed across the very likely expensive desk as the eyes popped and the bones split through the skin before what remained of what was once a head planted down upon the blood-soaked wood. Alone at last, she said, as the room fell silent once more. Part 7. Time to say goodbye. So, Grant said, getting back to his feet. What now, Cutter? That's not my name anymore, Grant, is it? Call me Lilith. You gave yourself that name, love. I was always quite fond of Cutter. Sort of dressed up that story a bit, yeah? Not all of it's... Not the part where you left me on my own for centuries. I climbed back to my feet, watching the two staring each other down. She looked at him with 
pure hatred in her expression, but her eyes betrayed her. Behind that slim wall of disgust, there was something so warm behind her gaze, something I imagined maybe even she was not aware of. He regarded her with a far more somber, melancholy expression. Given the fact that I was now the lone human in the room, I couldn't help but think she may make an example of me soon, just to make a point. With that in mind, I remained a quiet spectator to their heated discussion, rather than bringing unwanted attention to myself. So, with this legacy of the Orchid family having ended, Grant said, cutting his eyes to the body at the desk before gazing back at the woman in red. What's next? She just answered his question with a wide smile before walking softly toward the door on her right. Only moments after she pulled the door open, a familiar face strolled in from the next room over, a face with vibrant red hair hanging on each side of it, flowing over each shoulder. Though I had no doubt that we would be seeing Ashley again, I was hoping we could deal with one problem before leaping headfirst into the next. Of course, it would seem both were hand in hand from the beginning, a fact that took far too long to sink in my thick skull. Are you ready to come home now, boys? She said with more arrogance in her tone than the emotionless voice we'd heard multiple times before. Not so fast, hon, Cutter said, laying a hand on the redhead's arm. I thought I might give him something of an ultimatum. That's not what we agreed on. He belongs with... Cool it, sweetheart. This is my rodeo now. She stared into Grant's eyes with that maniacal smile reaching across her face again while she strolled around the desk to look at him face to face. No, he's mine! Ashley screamed, causing her hair to violently blow out the sides and into the air above her head. We had an accord! Not yet, Cutter barked, spinning in place to glare at her associate. He's all yours when I'm done with him. With that, Ash settled back down, allowing her hair to obey the laws of gravity once more. So, Lucy, can you die? Cutter asked, tracing her fingers across his face. Everything dies, love. As the two spoke, Grant cut his eyes to meet mine, only for a second before turning back to the woman in red. In that briefest of moments, I felt my consciousness being thrust to somewhere else, where I found myself sitting in a room I couldn't quite make out. It was not dissimilar from how details were clouded in the place between the bridge and the house I was still certain we could lose our lives in, though it felt far less malicious than the other place had. Seconds later, Grant appeared next to me. The haze faded, and I realized we were once more sitting together in the deserted bar we'd left behind so long ago. Beer? Grant asked, suddenly standing behind the counter again, though I hadn't noticed him moving. Of course, I knew that these events were not truly taking place, but a beer did sound absolutely amazing. I gave a nod, still unable to quite convince my tongue to do its job while absentmindedly accepting a cigarette along with my freshly poured draft. It's a lot to take in, I know, mate, he said, lighting up his smoke before handing me the lighter. What's happening, man? This place? No, this doesn't matter. What's important is what I have to say, and I'm sorry, mate, I'm sorry. But it's not going to be easy to hear. Just hang in there, okay? Grant, we're going to be okay, right? Not this time, brother. I suspect this is the end of the road for us. Well, for me anyway. No, you, you can't... I mean, surely... I tried to argue against what he was saying, but my mind couldn't translate my erratic thoughts into words, even if this was all in my head. Regardless of my frantic stuttering, Grant just laid his hand on my arm, giving me a look that was somewhere between compassion and understanding. It was enough for me to stick a fork in my argument and just let him speak. I still chugged down half the imaginary beer while puffing away on my cigarette as though it was providing much needed oxygen to lungs that had been lost to the sea. Real or not, the combination of the two convinced my racing heart to settle down a little. She's currently giving me a choice. 
to surrender myself freely to the force behind the building or to die right here and now. Can't you fight her? I mean, you stopped her before, right? Surely you can... I can't. Not now. Not with the redhead nearby. She hasn't stripped me down completely. Not like we were in that damned place, but... I can't hope to battle against Lilith like this. Not with how powerful she's grown. But surely she's not strong enough to kill you either, right? She has a weapon. One that is designed for that very thing. A blade forged from the Holy Grail itself. It's a god killer, mate. Even in my full strength, I'd be buggered if she was able to stick me with it. I felt my whole body sink, becoming more and more lifeless with every word he spoke. I couldn't bear the thought of losing him, but I also couldn't help but fear that this would be the end of me, too. Don't fret, mate. You might get out of this all right. I've already seen to that. You still have the key I gave you, right? I groped at my pocket to feel the small key still held within. I gave my friend a nod, unable to lock into his eyes. The shame of my moment of fear about my own fate festered within me like a cancer. She's holding the dagger to my heart right now, but there is much she does not understand. I'm agreeing to her terms with one simple addendum of my own. She is to release Brandon right away. Though I have agreed to accompany the two back to that building to surrender myself to its will, I will not be following through with that promise. His lips formed that all-too-familiar mischievous grin. For a moment, I allowed the twinkle in his eye to release me from my self-pitying, but that was short-lived when... He confessed to me what he truly planned. Okay. Brandon has been set free. I can feel it. Feel him re-entering the world. He is... Yes. He's at your house. Right where he was taken from. Alright, mate. Here's the deal. As soon as we get back, you run to the closest door as quickly as you can. Slide the key and turn it and close it shut behind you. You get me? Yeah, um, I got you, but don't look back. Grant, what are you planning? What does she not understand? He smiled again, giving me that almost frustrating look that just screams, I know something you don't know. There's something I never shared with her, a detail about our bond I never revealed. We are linked, she and I. Though I cared deeply for her, I never trusted her, so I put a fail-safe in place if she ever did chose to betray me. Huh? Basically, if she ends my life, she will die too. Of course, even if it were not for that, the death of an angel is no small thing, mate. Reckon it'll take out both of them as well as Orchid's little mansion. Might even seal off Alberson Bridge for good. No telling, really. It was almost frustrating how nonchalantly he was talking about his demise as though it was nothing more than what he wanted for breakfast we were discussing. I still tried to fight against it, bargaining that there has to be another way, but he wouldn't hear it. Michael, it's okay, brother. If this works out, you and Brandon need never fear that sinister building again. I can't say how much this will hurt it, but I'm sure it won't finish it off. Still, I see no reason why I would seek you or Brandon out once I'm gone. Grant, please, mate, he said, once more laying his hand on my arm. This is our last conversation, my dear friend. Don't let this goodbye be any more painful than it has to be, yeah? My whole body was trembling as I stared into his quivering and glassy eyes. Though I knew I wasn't exactly in a real and tangible place at the time, I felt the tears stream down my face as I wrapped my fingers across the back of his hand. Is there really no other way? I asked, barely holding myself together. Not this time, brother. He 
He smiled far more sincerely than his normal, carefree and mischievous smirk before walking back from behind the counter to face me one last time. Goodbye, Michael, he said, laying his hand on my shoulder. Goodbye, mate, I replied, attempting to smile back at him through the pain in my chest. Yeah, still sounds weird when you say it. He laughed, inspiring me to follow suit. There, there was no levity behind my hollow chuckles. I wrapped my arms around him, pulling him close to me. I felt him hold me tightly as I allowed the tears to flow as freely as they desired now that my face was hidden from his view. This is it, mate. He spoke directly into my ear, causing that spike to ram deeper into my chest. Run, Michael. Run and don't look back. As soon as the words left his lips, I found myself back in that elegant office with Ashley glaring at me from behind the desk and Lilith with the dagger held to Grant's chest. I wasn't prepared for how quickly it happened. I'd only just become aware of the feet I stood on when my friend pushed his body forward, impaling himself on the blade right down to the hilt. Ash and Cutter both screamed out in a maddening wail that damn near made my stomach flip, leaving me almost frozen in place, terrified to move a muscle. Run, Michael! I heard call out from the recesses of my cluttered mind, finally reminding me that I was in control of my body. I sprinted to the door we'd entered through, fumbling to slide the key into the lock. When I finally succeeded, I turned it, as well as the knob it protruded from. After I swung the door ajar, I betrayed my friend's final request, turning in place to look upon him one last time. Every muscle in my body twitched as I watched the light breach from the cracks that had formed across every inch of his flesh while the entities who had brought us to this still shrieked in shared anguish. It wasn't their sounds that awakened the torment in my soul, but the agonizing scream coming from the mouth of my dearest friend. Go! He squealed in a manner that suggested his pain was reaching its climax. As I forced my trembling legs through the open, I took one last glance at what I was believing behind. I held the doorknob tightly as I stared on from the other side, pulling the key free from the knob before swinging it shut once and for all, the second the closest friend I'd ever had exploded from the inside out. The wails and shrieks fell silent as I dropped to the floor in front of the back door to the deserted tavern. My eyes still burned from the near-blinding light that breached from within my friend, while the ringing in my ears from the devastating explosion I bore witness to for mere milliseconds would linger for some time after my sight cleared up. I know neither how long I sat upon the wooden floor of the empty bar, nor how long I cried against the agony of losing Grant, but the pain in my chest would not let up, no matter how many tears I shed, nor how loudly I screamed. Even when I allowed my anguished body to take a break from it all, I wouldn't arise from that spot on the floor until some time later. After the sun receded from the sky, beyond the window, hiding my surroundings behind the curtain of night. Epilogue. You're not done yet, kid. It took a while for me to emerge from the bar to find my truck still parked out front. When I freed my phone from the center console to find the battery almost depleted, I saw that I had several missed calls from Brandon. He was far more aware of the bizarre events we'd countered this time, but I promised I would tell him everything when I got back home. Truthfully, I can't say if I'd yet decided whether or not I would indeed tell him everything, but I knew I couldn't hide it all away from him anymore. If nothing else, he seemed to have no memory of anything he had experienced after his girlfriend took him back to her place. I would think those to be memories best lost to potential brain fog. Though I was thrilled to hear he had indeed been returned home to the world he belonged to, I was in no such rush to return to my pleasant home by the beach just yet. I decided to rent a hotel room close to the bar for a few days, just to attempt to get my mind right before getting back on the road. Not only was I in desperate need of a shower and a change of clothes, but I hoped just to be secluded for a time. 
It wasn't until the third day after my arrival back in the real world that I felt compelled to return to the old pub my friend used to do business in. Given the fact I possessed the key now, I assumed I could come and go as I pleased. When I walked into the otherwise vacant bar, I had to fight once more against the tears welling up. I had no doubt this would be a condition I may suffer from for quite some time, but I could only hope it would get easier with time. I ran my fingers across the surface of the counter as I strolled behind it to help myself to a refreshing draft, taking a seat on the same bar stool and lighting up a smoke after it was poured. I puffed away while counting my battle against my burning eyes as I reflected on the good times Grant and I had shared. Even when we faced the most horrific things, we still found reasons to laugh in the face of it. It wasn't until I allowed myself to share a chuckle with the visual image of my friend's goofy grin that I became aware of the strange glow emanating from somewhere behind me. I slowly spun the stool I was propped on to see that the back door that led to so many strange and unusual places having swung open with a bright aura following from another place beyond the one that I sat in. Being somewhat unsure what to make of it, I just gazed at the entrance to somewhere else, still sipping on my refreshing pint. Once both my beverage and my smoke reached their end, I had already decided to walk through the opening in the rear wall. I groped at my pocket again to assure myself that the key my friend entrusted me with still remained before I passed through into the unknown. Though I was well aware that this could be a trap, possibly set in motion by the very entities Grant had hoped to put an end to, I somehow knew this place would be one I should not fear. I could sense that it meant no harm, if that makes sense. Once my eyes adjusted to the light, I realized I was standing on a long pier that overlooked a gorgeous beach and the shimmering ocean in the distance. As I glanced from one side to the other, I could see not the slightest trace of anyone else around, with the exception of a lone individual at the end of the pier. As I paced toward the man, the sounds of the waves crashing against the wooden support beams sent my mind back to the home I shared with my friend and business partner. Though I had no idea of the identity of the man I approached, not what his intentions with me may be, I couldn't help but allow a smile to reach across my lips. The ocean breeze drifted through my hair more vigorously as I neared the guy who I could now see was fishing over the railing, and I found myself growing more and more curious about what was going on here. Hello, Michael, he said in a warm but pleasant voice. Hello, I replied, unsure of what else to say. I suppose you might be wondering what's going on here, huh? He said in an accent that sounded somewhere between country and Cajun, to my less-than-worldly ears, anyway. It crossed my mind, I replied as I stepped beside the stranger. Now that I could fully take in the man I shared the pier with, he looked to be maybe in his late fifties or early sixties. He was about the same height as me, with thick and wavy white and gray hair being tussled by the wind, a thick mustache that almost hung to his lower lip, and dark skin that looked to have spent a lot of times under the very sun that shone down upon us. He looked as though he was in pretty solid physical shape, with his muscled arms bulging beneath the rolled-up sleeves of his blue and white striped shirt, which was unbuttoned about halfway down his chest. He stood barefoot on the wooden planks, with military green shorts hanging just below his knees. He reminded me of several of our regular customers at the bar back home, that laid-back attitude of enjoying retirement and living the good life for a while. For a moment, I even considered that he could very well be exactly that, but there was no evidence to support that theory, other than the fact that he apparently enjoyed life at the beach. So what's next for you, kid? He asked, reeling in his fishing line. What's your plans from here on out? Uh, I'm not sure. I was somewhat unsure of what he was referring to, but given the fact that I was led here through the back door of my late friend's bar, I had to believe it had to do with Grant. Hmm, he replied, holding out the bare hook before casting it out to the ocean once more. Well, it might be out of the picture, but the building's still there. That bother you? I mean, yeah, but what can I do? 
I said, more speaking aloud my inner frustration than addressing the stranger before me. I'm just a person, just some random asshole. I don't have any power. I wouldn't stand a chance against that place. Hell, even Grant almost died there, and he was... I know who Grant was, and there ain't no such thing as just a person. He never met no one who wasn't unique in one way or another. His voice was deep but friendly, time-worn and scratchy, but warm and somehow comforting. All I'm asking is what will you be willing to do if there was a way to free yourself and Brandon from that place once and for all? I, I mean, I suppose I'd do whatever I could, but what if I were to tell you you might even be able to get your buddy Grant back? I was dumbfounded. Lost for words by what he was saying. Yes, I knew that sinister building still held on to part of me, but was he really suggesting that Grant could still be alive? His body, well, the shell he was wearing was destroyed by a weapon of immense power, the man said while idly tugging his fishing pole. In essence, yeah, Lucifer fell that day, but not all of him. Not completely, anyway. I still couldn't find words to make any of this fully register. I just stared at the man as he casually talked about things that were well above my understanding. You see, if you were hit by a truck tomorrow, your body might die, but your soul would be split between what comes next for you and what's left in that place, pretty much what your friend is experiencing now. Of course, unlike how did this work for you, where your soul would still move on a little less than what it was, but mostly unaware of what's missing, it's very different from what an angel would go through. I wanted to ask questions regarding every single little thing he said, but I could already feel my pulse quickening from the implications of his words. Short story long, if you was able to put an end to that place, not only would you rebuild your own sort of broken soul, but you might could restore your friend too. Could he really come back? Like, be whole again? Not completely at first. Not the same as he was before, but an angel can restore itself if even in particle remains, even one was long since fallen. He made a very strange expression as he spoke those words. There was something almost melancholy behind his eyes, but there was something else too. The smile he wore seemed like he was hiding a secret behind it, but I could very well have been reading too much into it. I could only vaguely make out his lips behind that thick mustache as it was. Regardless of my lack for fully understanding all of what he told me, even the slightest glimmer of hope of bringing Grant home was enough for me to have my mind made up before I even knew I had. Though I had so many more questions, I pushed those to the side for the time being. Only one thing needed to be asked. What do I have to do? <sighs> Ain't rightly sure yet, he said, reeling his fishing line again, grimacing when looking upon the still vacant hook. Still a work in progress, so to speak. Just had to be sure you were interested in lending a hand one last time. He gave me that strange smile again, raising one eyebrow higher than the other. I could tell there was so much he wasn't telling me, but I was certain I wasn't remotely capable of understanding most of what he may be hiding. There was still one question that felt as though it would burn me up from the inside if I didn't ask it. Who are you? Just think of me as a, an invested third party, he replied with a chuckle. But like, what is all of this to you? I don't mean any disrespect or anything, but what is your role in all of this? I almost felt like an asshole for suddenly feeling compelled to practically interrogate this guy, but I just knew he was hiding something from me. Even if it was something that was far above my pay grade or ability to even conceive, I needed to know more if I was going to just blindly put my faith in some stranger who had no luck with fishing. He studied me for a moment, leaning his fishing pole against the railing while propping one elbow on the ledge. The look in his bright green eyes damn near convinced me he had more than just a work in progress worked out already. But that only frustrated me more. It felt as though he was dangling the possibility of getting Grant back in front of me, 
just like he hoped to convince some absent-minded fish to latch onto his bait. That building is a stain, kid. A damn blemish on the otherwise beautiful landscape. I've come to understand it's been around for longer than maybe even I have, and that ain't no small thing. He began to gaze off when he spoke, drinking in the gorgeous scenery that surrounded us. More folks have swallowed up, the fatter and more powerful it's grown. I suppose I didn't ever pay it no mind when it was small, you know? All kinds of nasty things out there, so can't wipe them all away, but this one's gone too far. Gotten too big for its britches, though. I don't suppose it's got no reason to wear nothing like that. Hell, it may well swallow this whole world if we don't put an end to it soon. How the hell can I even hope to put something like that to an end? I asked, suddenly feeling my brief moment of hope sinking to the pit of my stomach. I almost jumped when the man laid a weathered hand on my shoulder, but the twinkle in his eye almost reminded me of the look Grant would get when he was up to something. Everything has a weakness, kid. You ain't got no idea what you're capable of, son, but you will be soon enough. You give me some time to catch up with something and I'll be in touch. He clapped me on the shoulder before recommending I return to my home for the time being. Yes, I was eager to get to work, even if I was fully unprepared for the task at hand, but just the glimmer of hope his words had provided me with was enough for now. Regardless of when, whatever the strange man has in store for me would come to fruition. I followed his recommendation and returned to my home by the beach. I felt more exhilarated than I realized I would be when Brandon met me at the front door. Well, where the front door used to be anyway. Our house had returned to the way it was before Ashley transformed into a scale replica of the place she'd came from, but the gaping hole from where Grant had made a new exit was still there. Brandon had placed a tarp over it for the time being and had already made some arguments to have it repaired, but not everything can get fixed overnight, I suppose. That we still have a lot to talk about, it feels so good to at least have one of my closest friends back by my side again. I don't know where the next chapter of my story will find me, but I most certainly have my hopes up for how it all turn out. I can't say whether or not we have a chance of succeeding, but... Perhaps all is not lost. Not yet, anyway. I'm still unsure of the identity of the man on the pier. I have some theories, but nothing I'm willing to think out loud. I do believe he's here to help, though. Of course, that doesn't mean I'm about to let my guard down. Not until I'm sure he can be trusted. Again, thank you for hearing me out on one more long-winded tale, and I hope... I have wonderful news to greet you with at our next meeting, should there be one. There's still a dark cloud looming overhead, my friends. Perhaps I'll manage to brave the oncoming storm and see the light on the other side of it, but if not, you should never hear from me again. Please know I went down fighting, just as Grant did. Whichever way my story ends, be it for better or worse, I may yet see you again. <laughs>